Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good to see all your faces this morning. Hey, I just want to share some things that are going on with you. Just some testimonies tomorrow of what, this morning of what God is doing. Whoops. Come on off here. Of what God is doing. Um, last week, Sean and I had the blessing and opportunity to take lunch to probably over 300 um, essential workers at the hospitals, at the clinics, um, and one here in City Heights, in Canto, Lemon Grove. Uh, represent kind of our three campuses that we're at and stuff. And uh, it was such an amazing experience because we got to walk around the buildings and just thank them for serving the community and serving the people and giving themselves away. And, and even in light of all that's going on, they were willing to still love and serve people. And so we just wanted to affirm what God was doing with them. But the amazing thing about it all was that when we arrived there to bring it, they had thank you, New Vision Church posted everywhere. Like it was just like we came to bless them and they blessed us, you know, and so it was just, and they were just so hungry to talk, and, and they were so thankful, and they wanted to say thank you, because a lot of you gave to that cause to feed. Um, going into this week, guys, we actually have more opportunities. As you know, the schools are starting to open up uh, this week. They'll be opening up, and the schools have contacted us to say, can you help us in any way? Like, the schools come into us, say, and so we're going to take some lunches on the first day to some of the elementary schools to bless their staff and their people just to say thank you for the craziness that has been this last 20 and 21 of this. And I know kids are coming back, and it's still going to be an interesting season of what that looks like. But guys, our presence has been felt, and now they're calling on us. And so I want to thank you for your service, what you've been given, what God's doing through you and in you. And so I'll be praying as we're going to be doing more stuff in the schools, also going to be working with the police department. Uh, Sean and I and the teams are going to be going in just showing appreciation as we're just trying to minister to all people in our whole neighborhood and, uh, and, and in the midst of this whole season that's it's going on. So keep praying. That's what God's doing. You want to be involved and help, talk to Pastor Sean, our outreach pastor, and uh, he'll kind of show you kind of if you want to jump on board and help and, and give a hand in any of those things. Amen. Hey, we're continuing our sermon series, Freedom in Christ, uh, this morning. We're going to be bouncing around this morning. My sermon titled is His Word, The Perfect Diet. His Word, The Perfect Diet. In fact, in Vietnam, rats, rats are a delicacy and freely available in the supermarket right next to the chicken. On the Ivory Coast, people love cats, especially in spicy sauce. And on the Italian islands of Sardinia, a special kind of cheese that is fermented to the point of decomposing and containing maggots is a big seller. For some of these, this is an acquired taste, man. It's an acquired taste. You know, for many years, I loved to drink soda, that sugary drink, but I knew that that had to stop sometime and that I had to change my diet. I had to change what it is, so I ended up, and I'm not very much a Diet Coke drinker, and I didn't care for that much, but I started drinking Coke Zero. And, I, and over the time, I began to acquire taste for Coke Zero. So I replaced that sugary Coke for Coke Zero, Cherry Coke Zero, Vanilla Coke Zero, all the Coke Zeros that could be out there to help me not take on all that sugar. Let me tell you something this morning. For many of us, we're struggling with acquiring the taste for God's Word. 
And we could come up for a lot of reasons why we don't sit at the feet of Jesus and read his words. We come up with a lot of reasons why we don't spend time with God. But this morning, I just want to encourage you to change your diets. Just like the woman changed at the well who changed her drink and drank of the living water. Just like, just like Zacchaeus who sat with the living bread and partake of the living bread and it transformed his life. God's word is an acquired taste that comes by his spirit. And for me, God's word is like M&M's. You just can't have one. You got to go back for more. Okay? And, and that's what God's word is like. And so this morning, we're coming to, to study, continue to study through the, the book of, of Romans as we've been looking at our freedoms in Christ. And we've, we've covered a lot of ground this last couple of months, right? We've cha- we covered, cha- generally, we covered chapters one through eight, and we've looked at really about the, the nature of sin, and we talked about that a little bit, and we talked a little about the sanctification process, and, and we've been looking at several different statements as we've been going through that about what our freedoms are and how we can get caught up in religious activities and different things if we're not careful. This morning, I want to talk about the Word of God and the desire and the hunger for the Word of God and the diet for the Word of God. Here's a statement that I want to bring to you this morning. It's the eighth statement out of ten statements I'm proposing to you, and this is one of them. Do I read the Bible as you ought, you should, why can't you, will you, or as you can, or this is who you are now? Listen, God's Word is a gift to us to discover the heart of God and the will of God for our lives. And he often looks at it as a task. We often look at it as a task rather than a means to develop our own relationship with him. And so my prayer this morning, my, my goal this morning, my task this morning is that you would find God's word desirable, that it's desirable. It's something you desire and that it's not an obligation, but it's something you long for and desire. Let's pray this morning as we get in. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for everything that you have provided. We thank you for last week. And Lord, we pray that as we enter into the study of our word, as we worship through the word, Lord, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would begin with speak and put that desire in our heart to, to thirst for your word, to hunger for your word, to seek righteousness, and Father, to drink of the living well, not out of broken cisterns, Lord, but out of one that gives us life. And I pray for those that are here this morning. I pray for those that are online that are watching. Lord, I pray that they have a heart and ears to hear what you have for them this morning. So we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna be in Romans, starting in Romans chapter nine this morning, if you have your Bibles. Really looking at verses four and then verses 30 to 32. And my first thing, we're gonna look at three things this morning. The first one this morning, number one, is that the Bible is a blessing. It's not a burden. The Bible is a blessing, it's, it's not a, a burden. You heard it said that Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. You've seen bumper stickers, you've seen statements made like that, right? But it's easy to make our life a religious activity. It's easy just to go through the routines of things and the ritual of things. And the, in fact, the word religion means to do over and over and over again. But what religion does, it gives us a lot of stuff to do, right? What religion does, it gives us a lot of stuff to do. Many times our faith walk is more religious than delightful, more burdensome than enjoyable. And what we have met, what was meant to be a relationship with Christ becomes a realistic work or a ritualistic work. We can make our faith walk mechanical in nature. It's like we're robots. This is what we're supposed to do. 
we could make it that way. And we practice religious activities without power. And that's why Paul wrote that in the last days we'll have a form of, of godliness with denying, but denying its power. You see, religion is about performance. Relationship are about journey and progress. Religion, religion is a list of do's and, and don'ts. Relationship is about grace and mercy. Religion is about effort, while relationships are about redemption. Religion to us is trying us to reach to God, where relationship is God has reached down to us. This morning, my prayer is that I won't be like the religious leaders who put a heavy burden on you, that ones that they couldn't even carry themselves. I'm not trying to load you down with some more things to do this morning. That's, that is not my desire. That is not my intent this morning. But if we're not careful the disciplines of faith can become very burdensome and not a blessing. They become religious acts of service and not a meaningful acts of love. And so as we continue on this morning, in fact, you only have to turn to Genesis chapter four after the fall when we'd hear the story of, of Cain and Abel and how they, they offered up offerings to the Lord, uh, fruit offerings and, and, and feast offerings to the Lord. And they had done that for many, many years, but it, it's in the story we know that that. Abel's was great, but Cain's wasn't received by God. Why? Because there's an interesting phrase in, in Genesis chapter 4 that says, in the progress of time. This, in the progress of time means that they had done offerings to the Lord for many, many times, but in the progress of time, Cain came with sloppy agape, meaning his love was sloppy. It became a ritual. It became, a, a, it became mechanical. It became what you do. It wasn't out of desire, it was out of duty, it was, it was out of obligation. This is just what we do. This is just what believers do. And sometimes in the church, we could come and we could just do and not be with him. And then in the progress of time, his offerings were sloppy. It wasn't worshipful, right? It became ritualistic and not meaningful. It became a religious practice not a heartfelt gift. And it's easily, we can find ourselves doing the same thing in our own devotional life. We can turn our time into the word into a, a religious practice. Listen, religion tells you what to do, but the gospel gives you the power to do it. It gives you the power to do it. Church, it's easy to find ourselves in this state. We can easily lose our first love like the church of Ephesus in Revelation. May we be encouraged this morning to see our time in the reading his word, not a drudgery, but an anticipated time to delight in God. See, the problem Paul in his writings is facing in Romans 9 is the problem is that we need to be watchful for, for it is not to make what we have, to make the blessing we have not a burden. To make the blessings we have not a burden. When you look at Romans chapter 9, verse 4, God blessed his people with his word. In fact, it says this: Who are the Israelites to whom pertains the adoption and uh, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Let me give you a little context here so you understand because we've taken a little break for Easter for the last couple of weeks, but I want to bring it back to Roman, 
9 to give you a little context leading up to that because Paul's writing to believers in Rome and has been writing about the process of salvation. We look at that in verses 1 through 8. And he will close the book of Romans in chapters 12 to 16 with the application of faith. But then he takes a little pause in the middle between 9 and 11. Because what he's going to do is he's going to begin to illustrate how we can take a blessing and make it a burden. And he uses the illustration of the Israelites who did that very thing. They were blessed with many spiritual blessings, but they made it a, a burden. And so he pauses for a moment because it, it feels like chapters, 11, uh, chapters 9 to 11 doesn't fit, but it does because he's saying, guys, you've been saved by grace, right? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He gives, you know, there's, no more, there's nothing could separate from the love of God. You're more than conquerors. We studied all these passages leading up to chapter 9. He takes a break. But let me tell you what the problem can be when you walk with God. You can put a pause a little bit and start making it a religious practice. And that's what he begins to do, address with the Israelites here. Paul is a, a completed Jew. He's a Messianic Jew who's come to Christ. And he's burdened by his people who, who have become religious people and have lost sight of, of who the Messiah really is. And he's burdened. He's willing to give up his own life for that. He writes in Romans 9, I'm willing to give myself, my own salvation, that my countrymen would come to faith. You see the passion and the, and the burden of Paul's heart. In the book of Romans chapter 9, what were the blessings that God's people had received, the Jewish people at that time? They were blessed with adoption, right? They were the, the apple of God's eye. They were the chosen people. God created this great nation out of the loins of Abraham. He blessed them with his presence, the Shekinah glory as he led them and a cloud by day and a fire by night, and they dwelt in the, the most holy holies in, between the, 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 in, the, in, the, in the temple and, and the tabernacle. He blessed them with covenants, with binding promises that are everlasting. He blessed them with the law, the, the written word, the oracles of God on how to live and how to, how to worship, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. He blessed with the promises of the, the coming Messiah. Like the Jews, like God's people, we have been blessed with the gift, many gifts, but we've been blessed with the gift of his word. If you really want to sum up these blessings in one word, it would be this, intimacy. Intimacy. I believe the blessings of God's word is to have intimacy with God. A relationship and a love relationship with the Almighty. Religion will wipe that out. When we draw into him in this love relationship with God, his word is going to be the key to build this relationship. But what did God's people do? God's people took a blessing and made it a burden. Look at verses 30 to 32. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness, had not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. The Gentiles who did were unrighteous at that time in some sense. They were not God's chosen people who are far from God, alienated from God, now by faith have been made righteous by God. God acknowledges the righteousness because it was the righteousness by faith, but the people who should have been righteous were unrighteous because they tried to follow the law instead of seek out the one who made them righteous. Because the work of the Gentiles was the work of faith. 
See, our time and our devotion with God, our time in the presence of God is a work of faith. And so the Gentiles displayed a great work of faith. It wasn't their own works. And they weren't even pursuing righteousness, but God made them righteous. They begin, we have to begin to look at, first of all, our own position in Christ before we could talk about performing or religious practices. Tim Keller said this, it's one thing to understand the gospel, but it's quite another to experience the gospel in such a way that it fundamentally changes and becomes the source of our identity and security. See, the Gentiles weren't necessarily working for acceptance. They were already accepted. They believed that. The Jews, though, they were, they were Jews working to be, try to be accepted by God. And so they turned this blessings that they had already into a burden, right? In fact, they read the law with the expectation that if they followed the law, they would be made righteous, meaning they would be saved by the law. That if I just do what the law says, if I know the law and I study law and I do it, that that, that actually was going to save them. We could be like that, like the church, right? The church today. You know how we could do it with that? Well, if I just get baptized, I'll be saved. We could take the command, the law, and the act of it and make it a, a, a works thing. People, aren't you saying we're supposed to be? Yes, we're supposed to be baptized. Yes. You go there for and baptize. The Father said, yes. But the baptism doesn't save you. It's the obedience that saves you to the love response to God. Because if, if it's really the law, then the man on the cross fell short, did he? Not. The thief on the cross fell. He missed it. He missed it. Because it's the heart change. It's the desire. It's the repentance. It's, it's that that... God is pleased with. That's why he turned the man on the cross and said, you'll be with me with paradise today because of the heart of man and the, and the righteousness and the desire, right? What were they tripped up by? They, in the light of trying to follow the law and reading the law and studying the law, they were tripped up. See, they didn't come to God by faith. They came to God by performance, just like many of us do today. We come to God by performance. We want to perform for God's acceptance and not just sit in his presence. Just sit in his presence. You don't have to perform for God. Let God perform for you. Throughout the Old Testament, it was God performing before the people this great and mighty works. Even in the midst of their complaining and grumbling, God was just blowing their minds of what he was doing. You know, many of us might feel the same way when it comes to reading the, God's word. Do I, I read it enough? Do I study it enough? Is my time pleasing to you, God? Jesus confronted the religious leaders on this very issue. You go away to John chapter 5, look at 39 and 40. It says this, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are, the very, and these are they which testify of me but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. The word there, search, it says you have searched the scriptures, translate, you have sniffed out or examined the scriptures, right? The Jews studied the scriptures and the doctrines, but missed his deity, missed his presence, missed who he was. The practice was right, but the problem is that they missed his purpose, to know him personally, and they missed the Messiah. 
See, the purpose of the word is to know God intimately. That is eternal life, John 17, 3. The purpose is to know God intimately. Paul will testify of that very thing, of this whole process in his life because he was a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin. Paul was the man in the religious culture of the day. He was the example of a man who was zealous. He writes this in his testimony, Philippians 3, 5 forward. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, that was required by the law, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, I mean, he studied, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless, man, every I was dot and every T was crossed, is what he was saying. I think the point that he was making was this. We can make our time of reading a chore we do rather than the pleasure we desire and enjoy. But look at what happened after Paul's conversion, right? Look after Paul's conversion here. He helped him see his own pride. You know, we can, we can pride ourselves on religious activities. We can, we can do that. We can pride ourselves. It reminded me of a story of a young lady who didn't have very much money, and it was coming to her graduation day, and she was so excited. So she went down, and she got a pattern to make a dress, and then she went down to the, to the, 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 the place where you buy the material. She bought it, and she came in, and she wasn't a very good sewer, and, and she began to sew this dress and make it, and, and then she put it on, but the hems were all crooked, and the things were all But she made it, and she came out, and, and she came out and showed it to all her friends. Look at her right minute. She Wow, look at the beautiful dresses. She's showing it all around, and she's parading it all around. Look how beautiful this dress is. The collar's crooked. The things are all off. And one of the ladies saw them and says, come with me. You're going to come with me. Took her and took her to the Saks Fifth Avenue and bought her this beautiful dress. So here, take this. And at graduation, she was clothed by that. You know what we do sometimes in our pride? We come and we parade ourselves like we got it all together. Look at me. Look at all this beautiful. God's clothed me and did all things. It's just filthy rags. Isn't that what the scripture says? Our work is like filthy rags. And God says, Pete, come here. Let, let me just clothe you a little bit. Let me just tailor some things for you. I got to tailor some things for you here. We can parade ourselves in our own self-righteousness. Uh, be careful of that. Paul writes this, but what things were gained to me that these I've kind of lost for Christ. See, there's things given to you, but I kind of lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence what of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. All that he had, all that he prayed himself in, Loss for the gain of Christ. He called it rubbish. There's another word for that if you get, want to get into the Greek. Look it up. Can't see it. Oh, that's a word you go, beep. You know what I mean? And, 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 the, and the reality of it is he says, the knowledge of God. The revelation he came as as much as he studied, he didn't get the intimacy with God until he came to the gospel and came to faith to understand. Guys, my, my challenge to you this morning is that we would come in to his presence and say, God, who are you? And how can I have this intimate walk with you? And so they made a blessing into a burden. May we not as God's people make God's word, study of his word and hunger for his word 
a burden rather than a blessing. Here's the second thing. The Bible is for our spiritual nourishment. Jump over to 1 Peter chapter 2. The Bible is for our spiritual nourishment, right? This is the perfect diet right here. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, look at that. In the summertime, and I know it's been difficult because of COVID, in the summertime, we love the Del Mar Fair, right? We go up to the Del Mar Fair. We spend money at the Del Mar Fair. And the Del Mar Fair is known for its outrageous food, right? Everything fried, everything's covered with everything else on it, right? And you know what they have at the Del Mar Fair? They have candy apples. You know, candy apples, right? Apples are nutritious, but once you dip them in candy, you just loaded the apple up with sugar, and you just mixed it all up, right? You just removed the nourishment of the apple by diluting it. We know that one of the side effects of sugar is that it weakens our immune system. That's why when you're sick, you don't partake of sugar. That's why when people have cancer, they don't eat sugar because it destroys their immune system. The word of God is for our nourishment. It's for our spiritual uh, it's for our spiritual immune system. And just as much as we eat healthy for our, for our physical nourishment, we must partake of God for our spiritual nourishment. Listen, we cannot dilute God's word with empty philosophies and humanistic thoughts like sugar. It will destroy our spiritual immune system. Here's the thought, guys. The purpose of God's word is to keep us spiritually healthy. That's why we, it's to keep us spiritually healthy right? Building a strong spiritual immune system we see in verses one and two. Look at, therefore laying aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes that desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Listen, when you go on a diet, some of you go on Whole30, you go on all keto diet, whatever diet you go on, right? There are certain things you must lay aside. There are certain things you cannot eat. There are certain things you have to get rid of. You have to get rid of the junk food, right? When you go to diet, you got to get rid of it. You got to deny it, right? You got to get rid of the unwanted intake that brings spiritual fatigue in some sense. That's exactly what you find in 1 Peter here in verses 1 and 2, right? That's exactly what you find in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 and 2. What were the things that were heavy on the people? What were the things that were fatiguing and straining their spiritual relationship with God? What were the things that they needed to cast away, right? What are the things that were weighing them down? What are the things that needed to cast away, What are the things that we partake of in our life that goes against God's nutritional plan? Peter lists some things we need to cast off in order to be spiritually healthy. What, what does he list here? What does he say? Lay aside, cast off malice, all deceit, anger, and lying, hypocrisy, jealousy, envy, our tongues when we do things we shouldn't with our tongues. You see, in order to be healthy, there's some things in order to have health and nourishment, you gotta cast off some things. You gotta get rid of some things. You gotta say no to some things in order to be nourished. But we already know that we've cast off the former life by faith. 
doesn't mean that this old nature doesn't want to put that old nature back, that old clothing back, that old, that old, you still, guys, you go on, you, you know what the problem with diets is you say, I'm going to go on a whole 30 and do a 30 days, and then you go back eating your junk after 30 days, right? All the weight you lost, you gain back in the next 30 days. Some of us have that cycle in our spiritual life where we junk eat, and then we spiritually, we binge, we binge eat, and then we binge spiritually, and then we stop it, and then we have this cycle that we go on in our spiritual life. Isn't that what the book of Judges is all about? It was just a cycle. They loved God. They sinned against God. God had to get them right. They repented, then they got right with God. Some of us, that's our spiritual walk today. It's a, it's a cycle, right? Oh, I got to get right now. I'm going to start, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. I'm going to do all these different things. And then a couple of days later, you miss a day of reading and then you feel guilty. He's saying here, look, if you want to have nutrition, there are some things you just got to get rid of that's not healthy for you. And then Peter uses the illustration to help us build our spiritual immune system, right? You need to partake of some healthy food. And so Peter, what he says, he referenced newborn babies who desire the spiritual milk, right? Mothers, you know what this means. For mothers, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? The whole process of breast, breastfeeding. Look at breastfeeding has many benefits. Here are some. Breast milk provides just the right proportion of essential nutrients, vitamins, proteins, fats, and antibodies to help your body, baby's body and brain develop. In fact, Breastfeeding babies have a greater sense of taste and smell because breast milk changes flavor based on the mother's diet. Just as importantly, your baby thrives emotionally because skin-to-skin contact with mom creates a strong bond and a sense of security. Listen, he's giving a picture of a newborn babe embraced by his mother and the breast of his mother. There's a bonding, there's security, there's nutrients, there's things happening in the development of that baby. The baby grows the fastest in the first year from a womb to running around causing a muck, getting your stuff a year later when he's walking. Right? And they're starting to talk and say no by, you know, in the next year and a half. It's got nutrients to deal with the brain. And actually, the, the breast milk actually empowers and strengthens the immune system. What, what Paul is illustrating is just like a new baby hungers for this, we have to hunger for the word of God. We have to hunger for the natural hunger for the, the milk. We don't need to be told to eat. Babies were never been told how to eat. They just wanted food, right? They didn't be told when it was time to eat. And you know what babies do? Babies don't consume large quantities of milk on Sunday to last the week. Come on now. Babies need the day-to-day nourishment for their development, just like we need the day-to-day nourishment to develop us, to stay healthy. We need a steady diet of God's word is crucial to our own development. There are healthy signs of believers. And the healthy signs of believers is that they desire the truth of God's word. Because we know that we abide in God's truth, we'll be set free. John wrote that in John chapter 8. If you don't abide in my word, you cannot be my disciple, he says. My follower. We're talking about freedom. Freedom comes by the abiding of God's word, by walking in God's word. In fact, the word desire here translates a longing for or pursue with love. It's the same word found in Psalm 42.1, as the deer panted for the water, so my, so my pants for my soul for you, O God. 
As a deer that longs for water, so we long for God. A panting. You know, I take my dog for a walk and he pants, right? And his tongue hangs out. He's like, <laughs> he wants that water to break his thirst. Guys, may we hunger and thirst in such a way we long for that living water like a deer pants for water, right? We know that the first sign of wellness when one is sick is hunger, is hunger. And when we're born again, there should be a desire to know God in his heart, a hunger. Why? Because his word, his word will remind us of his nature. His word will remind us of his nature, God's nature. We see that here, of God's nature. Look at verse three. If indeed you have tested that the Lord is gracious. Listen, when you have time with the Lord, when you're spending time with the Lord, guess what? You'll discover his nature and his attributes, his character, who he is. Peter is writing here because he knows the attributes of God. He knows the gracious acts of God. He's reminded how, how people have tasted, how he's tasted God and found that it was good and he was good. Listen, when you go through difficult times in your life, it will be the word that you have deposited to get through you, to help you get through it. The word that you planted in there. A lot of people fall away from the Lord during the trials because they haven't planted the truth of God's word there and they haven't been grounded and rooted so when the storms come, they're just plucked out and they haven't been grounded. See, when we get an understanding of who God really is, we're able to persevere during the difficult times. And you'll find that the Lord is really good, no matter the circumstances, no matter the trials, no matter the difficulties, no matter the hardship, God is still good and he's still faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, my God will save me. But even if he doesn't save me, I'm still willing to go through the fire. Right? Shadrach, he, they, knew, they, knew that he, they knew their God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew their God. Whether I live or die, I know my God. Nothing else, we're saying. Nothing else. Lastly, this morning, the third thing. The Bible is the diet for our success. If you turn to Joshua 1.8, all the way back in the Old Testament, the sixth book, chapter 1, verse 8. What is the biggest book in the world? It's the Tripakata. It's the collected teaching of Buddha. In fact, it may not be the longest book in terms of numbers of words, but it's definitely the biggest in terms of sheer volume. Engraved into both sides of 729 marble slabs, each measuring three and a half feet wide by five feet long and five inches thick, it occupies 13 acres of land in Mandalay, Burma. It is said to be read in total, it would take eight hours a day for 450 days. Listen, the Bible may seem small by comparison. How long does it take to read it? Well, about 76 hours. At least that's how long it takes on the average narrator to read out loud on Bible CDs, right? At the rate, you could take about 12 and a half minutes a day for one year to read the entire volumes. See, in the end, it's not the biggest book or the longest book that matters. It doesn't need to occupy 13 acres of land. It only needs to occupy five inches or so of the human heart, of the human heart. Joshua writes this in Joshua 1.8, 
but the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What's the context here in this writing, right? Moses had just passed away. Joshua was his servant, his assistant. Now he takes over the reins after Moses had led people out of Egypt. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. He passes away. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. They're going to cross over the Jordan River. He has to lead a man into a Canaanite land, into an unbelieving land. In fact, you want to talk about victory, read the whole book of Joshua. It's about victory. And, and he says, but before you're going to have victory, let me, let me tell you where your successes come. Let me tell you where your victories have come because I'm going to give some commands to you that you need to obey if you want to be prosperous successful. When I tell you to walk around a building six times and on the seventh time, you shout out, it'll fall down. But you need to obey my commands because I'm going to ask you to do something that makes no logical sense whatsoever. And when we come to study God's word, there are things that we're going to have to obey that says, God, this makes no sense to me but I'm going to be obedient to it. And so the Lord is giving Joshua this command. He's saying, I want you to prepare the people. I want you to set in some disciplines. I want you to set something in there so they can get ready to go into the land because they're going to need this. Guys, we live in a Canaanite society and a Canaanite culture, and we need to be prepared as we go out from our neighborhoods and into our jobs and into our businesses and our families that don't know them, and we need to be ready. And so he gives us this, this plan. This, this plan here for success, the diet for success here, right? Here's the diet, guys. Here's a, you want a, a three-step plan, a four-step plan? Because we all like four steps, right? We all like, okay, what do I got to do, right? That's the law. What do I got to do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do? That's what the lawyer said, right? Jesus said, no, it's not about what you do. Sal, you have to, all you have and come follow me. Oh, he had much and walked away. Some of you are going to feel like that this morning. No, 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 man. It's asking too much of me. Pastor, the word's asking too much of me. I was told one time that when somebody left our church because I kept telling people that they needed to read their Bibles. Why wow, you keep bugging us about how we need to read the Bible. I'm like, are you serious? I was like, All right. Okay. Here, here, here it is, guys. Here it is. Number one, if you want to take your step writing, be still with God. And his word. Stop and slow down and be still with God. His word is his law. Guys, some of you are struggling. And you just need a. You need your heart to be uh, uh, re, re, restarted, a jump start. We need a spiritual defibrillator. You know, to bring us to life, a jump start the heart of faith. We need something to, to stimulate your heart. The Bible sometimes says that we're all sheep falling to the heart. Our heart is far from God sometimes. And when our heart is far from God, guys, we don't read the Bible. We don't read it when our heart is far from God. But God wants to stimulate. He wants to massage the heart. And the first way to do that is that we got to stop and be still. Be still with God, right? Right? Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 4610. Be present with God. Set a time for God. Give God your first fruit of your time. Guys, get up 15 minutes earlier before you go to work or a half, half hour before you go to work and just be, stop and be present with him. Right? Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Stop, stop, stop. We're so busy and running around. You know my challenge is for you? I'm going to tell you this. Pastor, I don't have enough time. No, no, no. 
you stop this week and you take a piece of paper out and you put Monday, Tuesday, all the way from Sunday through Saturday and you write down everything you do. I'm gonna, you're going to find out you're wasting a lot of time. You're going to find out your, your time is not spent well. And maybe you might only find, well, church, my God, you got Sunday morning from 10 to 12. Then I don't, I don't talk to you till next Sunday. You know why we lead prayer here? Because God commands us to pray because it's supposed to be a house of prayer, not really a house of preaching. That's what you describe this house as. But number two is, for some of you, this is the only time you prayed all week. I'm just, I'm just speaking truth. I'm just speaking the truth in love. Right? For some of you, this might be the only word you received all way, all week. This, here. But I want to challenge you here. Be still. Be still with God, number one. Set a place, set a time, and be still. In the morning, in the evening, wherever it may be, be still, okay? Number two, he says here what? He says, he's saying in Joshua 1.8, what is he saying? But the, the, the book of the law shall not depart from you, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Be still, we're meditating it, that you may observe according to all that is written. That it shall not depart from your mouth. What is he saying here? That we gotta speak God's word. If we're, if we're taking time to be still and then we're reading God's word, God, I want to encourage you to read God's word out loud. Sometimes that helps us focus when we're reading it. A lot of times we don't read God's word is because we feel like we don't understand God's word. If you don't understand God's word, there's a lot of different translations that will help you. I, I, I speak, sometimes I read, I read out the New King James Version. I know some people, it's a lot harder to read. Get the New Living Translation. Get the Message Bible. Get some of those other translations that break it down a little bit easier so you can get the grasp of what it's saying. I'd rather you get the grasp of it than get the exact translation. Because really, the heart of God is that you would apply it and understand it. But read it out loud. Speak it, Right? But all is meant to be shared. What, what is God speaking to you? When you're still, what is God speaking to you that you might share with others, that you might have an encouragement to others, that you might be a blessing to others? The word needs to be on our lips. It needs to be on our, with our mouth, our lips. Job 23, 12 says this, I have not departed from the commandments on his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Isaiah said, I'm a, a man of unclean lips. And then God came and put a coal on his mouth and, and healed his mouth and sanctified and purified his tongue. God, I have a problem with my tongue and I need you to sanctify it. Right? Some of us are got loose tongues. Talk to your wife. Maybe she'll tell you. Talk to your kids. Maybe she'll tell you. Talk to your boss. Maybe he needs to correct you. God, you need to change these, this tongue here. This beast, sanctify it with your truth, Lord. Because that was the prayer of Jesus, sanctify them with the truth, John 17, 17. Sanctify my tongue that the things I speak would be for your glory. Be for your glory. That the things that I speak would have power because it was the word that God formed the earth. Out of his mouth, he said, let there be light, and there was light. But then he says, meditate on it. The law, speak it, meditate on it day and night. That has to do with our mind. He talked about the lips, our mouth, that's our lips. So now he's going to talk about the mind, to meditate it day and night. Meditate means to marinate in his word, to read it with thoughtfulness. His word is timeless. Oh, Pastor Pete, that word is for the old days. 
It, it doesn't, it's irrelevant. It doesn't apply for us today. No, his word is timeless. The grass fades, but his word will never fade. His word will never fade. It, it's what he's saying is I want you to soak in it. Now, soaking it is different than binge eating, right? Thanksgiving, you binge eat, right? He's not telling to binge eat here. He's telling to flavor it like a good steak, right? Okay, I don't know what vegans would flavor. I don't know vegans eaters. Vegetables, the flavors of vegetables. <laughs> Sorry, respectful for the vegans. I'm a meat eater. It's not a meal, but it doesn't have meat. That's my philosophy. Okay, you can you can email me later. Um, listen, but but eat it, taste the flavor of the word of God. Slow down, right? Slow down. An unknown author said this: read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. Follow its precept, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb to the resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glorious self for eternity. Slow down, speak it, meditate on it. I've just been encouraged by my wife and she's been memorizing the whole book of Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews. And she says, hey, I'm on chapter four. And she quotes the whole book where she's at to me. And I just listen to her. She's blowing me away because I feel convicted. Um, <laughs> As she's speaking the words, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And, but it, we're driving one time, and she's quoting the whole book of Hebrews to me from her mind. She's been meditating. She's been marinating on it. But it's one thing to marinate and to speak it privately and speak it out. We have to be doers of it, amen? That's what he says. Be the doer of God's word. Be obedient servants. God's word is the manual for life. It, it commands those. Commands are not burdensome. It's there to give us instruction. It's a, it's a light into my path, a lamp into my feet, it gives me guidance. It's my GPS. It's, my, it's all those things for me here, right? The Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth for those who've been around for a little bit, right? The word is used to train us up for righteousness because our love for God drives our righteousness, not religion. In this word, it's equipping us for the times that we need. And so our equipping comes in the solitude so that we can live righteously in our society. It's in the solitude that births, that he births a call in your life and in your kingdom purpose. How you live comes out of your solitude. Your public life is only strong as your private life by being in his word. And what's, what's, what's this? We're recipients of the blessing of God's word. Guys, we're, we're, we're the, we receive this inheritance. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We often think when we think of success, it says this, what? We think of popularity, power, prosperity, position. You know what it is? Our success is really bearing the fruit of the Spirit. John 15, 4 and 5. You're the vine, I am the branches, right? Abide in me. Because apart from me, you cannot do nothing. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Guys, I'm just a branch. There's no life in the branch. The branch has life only because it's connected to the vine. The vine is God. We're connected to God. 
he feeds our branches, and out of there we bear fruit. They're not my fruit. It's God's fruit through his spirit. It's the abiding fruit. That's, that's the success there, right? His word makes our life better, right? It gets you to where you need to be, his word. He says, you'll find success. It gets you. Guys, you're saying, oh, man, my life's a mess. Get in his word because he'll give you direction to where you need to be. Trust it. Do it. When you go on a trip, you don't just say, oh, let's get a car. I know we're supposed to be here, but I have no, you don't just get in without checking the directions. You'll just drive aimlessly. And some of you in your life are just driving aimlessly because you have no direction in your life. What's the purpose? He gives it that, the will of God. He gives the will of God in his word. See, success is living out our, success is living out your God-given purpose for the blessing of others and for the glory of God. And his word will always make a way. And so God made a way for you to have successful relationships, whether vertically and horizontally. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And so the key to our success comes in our abiding in Christ, for without him we can do nothing. And so I leave you with Psalm 1, 1 through 3, just to read it so you understand. He's, this, this psalm sums up what all that we're studying today. Blessed is the man, or happy is the man, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, not by the words of our ungodly friends. Let me tell you what it is, an eye for an eye, and this, this, and that for that, right? Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the scornful. You notice the process, walk, stand, and sit. When you walk with the ungodly, you're hanging out with the ungodly. Bad company corrupts good character. Be careful of the counsel you get. You want the counsel of God, not the counsel of men, the counsel of this world. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the God, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but he delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law, what? He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. In season, guys, there's season in our life that God says, this is what you need for this season. If you're in the word, I'm gonna give you what you need for this season. Whose leaves also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. I know I've been long-winded this morning, but this word is what we need. And sometimes you just got to repeat it over and over and over again. So I close again with these three reminders. Number one, the Bible is a blessing, not a burden. The Bible is a blessing, not a burden. Number two, the Bible is our spiritual nourishment. It cares for our soul. It's there to strengthen us. It's there to fight. It's a, it strengthens our immune system to false things that are out there and false religions and false theology that we don't get, the church, this church doesn't get sick. And lastly, the Bible is the diet for our success. A diet, be still, speak it, meditate it, do it, abide in it. My challenge is I'm not trying to put more on you. I'm just trying to remind you <laughs> what we should be already doing, right? Right? Moms, you tell your kids to do things all the time, right? When they don't do it, go clean your room. How many times do you tell them to do that? You're reminding them. Not, it's not something new, but it has to be reminded. This isn't something new. It just needs to be reminded. Amen? Father heaven, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, and I pray for your people. Lord, this morning, 
Father, give them a desire for your word, a hunger for your word, Lord. Father, I don't want to add another thing onto their plates. They need to take some things off their plate and put you in that place and prioritize you in that place for them to be able to find a way for whatever circumstances they're in, whatever trials they're facing, whatever difficulties that's happening, whatever burden they must overcome, whatever heartfelt issues they need to face. Father, whatever success comes their way, Father, they need to be equipped for all those seasons or they will be consumed by the cares of this world. They'll be burnt out by the cares of this world. They'll be hurt by the cares if they're not have that protected immune, spiritual immune system to, to fight off the different viruses and affections of our culture that comes sometimes that, that just wants to pollute our well, this temple. So I pray your hand upon your people this morning. Refresh them this morning. Refuel them this morning. Strengthen them this morning, God. That they will be like the woman at the well that began to speak all that God had said because there was water welling up out of her. May the spirit of that water overwhelm us because we're filling ourselves up that we may be pouring ourselves out. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.